Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Thank you. Thank you. So we're in this series called Trust Issues, and uh, we've been in the book of 1 Kings 17. Uh, Pastor Dom started us off with the message, trusting the uh, the provider creator. Last Sunday, I came back at you with trusting uh, the source with and for my source. And today we have another message, and I believe that is going to help us get past some trust issue that we have. Everybody, let's read all together. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Verse 19. And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, excuse me, and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid on his bed, on in bed, excuse me, I'm messing up. Verse 20, (laughs) then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Verse 21, and he stretched himself out on the child three times, cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, Let this child's soul come back to him. Verse 22. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And verse 24, everyone read together. Then the woman said to Elijah, Let's go to verse 18 really quickly. Verse 18. I want us all to read this together one more time. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my son, my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? I want to talk to you from a subject this morning that can be very personal. And I don't know if you ever quite had this question in your life, but I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to preach from this subject this morning entitled, God, are you out? Excuse me, God, do you have it out for me? God, do you have it out for me? God, do you have it out for me? Ladies and gentlemen, here in our text, um, this, well, before I get into the, where we are, I want to kind of deal with what this this question that I stated in this as a subject means. First of all, do you have it out for me is what we call an idiom. And it is uh, to it means to persistently try or desire to criticize, cause harm to or harass one, especially due to a grudge. If I can be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, there are times and I know I've had conversations with people that sometimes People feel like God is against them. Feel like God is out for them. 
Ladies and gentlemen, when you go through a lot of tragedy in one's life, it's hard for some to really come to realize that God is even God. Because most times people ask the question, well, if he is God, why me? Why am I going through this? Some people ask the question, if, if, if God is God, then why evil happen in the world? Why does it seem like the God of the Old Testament or even the new is so angry? He seems like he's so angry at me. And sometimes when you go through tragedy and sometimes not only with tragedy, but sometimes when you feel like you can't catch a break. And it's always one thing after another and after another. And you ask yourself, really, what is the deal? And I know some people will be fast to say, well, it's the devil and all of that stuff like that. But some people don't equate that. Some people will rap, will equate the tra- what they go through to God first before they even equate it to an enemy. Yeah. And that's the truth. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, at one point or another, I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with Christ. At some point, even how long you walk with Christ, you would ask this yourself this question. God, do you have it out against me? Because yeah. it seems like whatever I try to do, it's just, it's just, I'm just, I'm met with something else. And it doesn't seem like you are allowing me to get over this hurdle or to catch a break. And ladies and gentlemen, there's some feel that God has a grudge against them. That some people feel like God is angry with them. They criticize his character because if he is so good, then why is so much bad happening not only in my life, but in the lives of other people around the world? And so that is a question that people wrestle with. It's also, it's often a question that is dealt with in apologetics, ladies and gentlemen, meaning the defense of the gospel that when people act, well, if your God is so good, why is evil present? And they seem not to realize that, ladies and gentlemen, that this life is filled with such tribulation and trials because of the fall of one man. Because of the fall of one man sent into the world, death into the world. Corruption like none other has entered the world because of who's in control. The Bible would tell us that the enemy is in control of the airways. But I'm not here to overdo the credit on talking about the devil because the reality is, is that a lot of us feel as though sometimes even beside him, that even though the devil may be present, God is even more present and he can block a lot of things if he's supposed to be all powerful. And if you're not, if you want to be honest, there are some time, well, why God didn't block this? Why God didn't block some of my molestation or my rape? Why did God not block a loved one being dead? Why did all of this stuff happen? And you have to reconcile with all of this. You have to reconcile in your mind with all that's going on. And ladies and gentlemen, we find ourselves here in this text. A woman who couldn't catch a break, she felt. This woman, ladies and gentlemen, we don't know how long she'd been widowed. We don't know how long she's been widowed. We just know that she's a widow. We don't know how old her son really is, but we do know that he was young. And so the ladies and gentlemen is that we have a woman who, 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 who really felt who, who was a Gentile anyway, because the truth is she was like, I told you last week, she was, um, uh, could have been a follower of Baal. We don't know that for sure, but she wasn't a believer. And you have this man of God, Elijah, coming to her and telling her, make me a cake first. And if you make me a cake, the oil will never dry up in her house. So we have this woman right here is that she's a widow woman. Now a famine has came. She's already poor. And she's even more poor because of this famine. So she, her resources are even more low. 
Now a man of God comes out of nowhere, tells her, you cook me something and you'll never run out. You'll always live. You and your son will live and they won't die. That's what he said. Because what she said to him is that I'm going to make this last bit of resources, this cake, what I got, and me and my son going to die because of what is going on. So she makes the cake for Elijah all as well. Oil is, is still going. They still have resource. So it seemed like maybe things may be looking up for this woman. Just maybe. Things are turning around. And then, not many time later, we find, we don't know the time between this, but we just know that at this time now, this woman is holding her son who's dead in her arms. And yet, this is the crazy thing about it is is that she's holding her son dead in her arms and yet the oil has not ran out in her house so what she thought that they would be dead for is not what he's dead for ladies and gentlemen she's suffering he suffered a sickness we don't know what sickness it was but a sickness ladies and gentlemen has taken her son out and so now where is my hope Where's my expectation of anything good happening for me? Because now, what's the point? Listen, we are so excited to invite you this year to Holy Week. Listen, on Sunday, on first Sunday, Palm Sunday, we're going to be passing out palms. We're going to be celebrating communion together as we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And then Monday starts the seven days of prayer. I'm so excited about that. As well as on Good Friday, we're coming together to our corporate prayer as well as a praise night at the same time as we remember our Savior's uh, passion for us on the cross. And then guess what? It don't stop there because guess what? He got up on Sunday and we are going to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. And what are the kids doing this year? The kids, we are having a big Easter egg hunt. So if you have your little kiddos, make sure they're here so that we can celebrate the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Jesus Christ and celebrate with the Easter egg hunt and some food. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So you don't want to miss the festivities as we celebrate this huge weekend because it's all about the passion of Christ. And remember, transformation starts here. And she's hearing this text, ladies and gentlemen, and she sees Elijah, who's been living with her. Living with her. And she says this, it says this right here, what have I do with you, man of God? Really, if you look in the deeper Hebrew, ladies and gentlemen, what he's saying, what do you, what do I have to do with you? What do you want? In her anger, she says, have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Ladies and gentlemen, she already associated the reason why her son is dead is because of her. Because of a sin that she may have committed. And now she thinks it's because of her that her son is like, you came to remind me of my sin or what I did. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing I got to share with you is um, a lot of times people think that God stands on the, oh, excuse me, sits on the throne 
with a ruler and he's just waiting to just correct you every time you get out of line. That he's there to beat you down and get you back to beat you down and hold all of your sins on top of your head. That's what some people think. That's what some people view about God. And guess what? I'm not here to judge you neither because I believe at one point or another, one of, some of us in this room has even thought that about God. Yeah. It's the truth. Amen. My goodness. I can't catch a break because maybe, I, was it the sin I did two weeks ago? That's the truth. That is the truth. Lord, was it? Now, I remember the one maybe, maybe that one wasn't too bad, but maybe it was the one three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's all catching up to me now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that there's no consequences to sin. I'm not going to tell you that. For me to tell you that is, is a lie. There is, to every action, there is a reaction. There is a consequence, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. But every, but every time that something tragedy happens in your life, it is not because you sinned. It is not because God is saying, hi, now I'm going to hear to get you. And that's what people think that, oh, I, he got it out for me because of what I did. And so the reality is the lady, all she has right now is to try to think what could have caused this. Because the reality is, is that Elijah is in town to prove that his God, Yahweh, is greater than Baal. Yes. And in a sense, I know why she tried to equate it to a sin, because she could tell that there was something different about this man of God, Elijah. And so all she could think of is if this man is holy, maybe there's something in me that ain't right. And then you have come to tell me my sin and to kill my son. Matter of fact, she's equating that you responsible for this. I was good to die with me and him before you got here. That's how I was. Here we go. Stop relating everything that goes wrong in your life to a sin you've committed because that's not the case. Not everything that happens in your life is due to because you made a mistake. God already knows you're going to make mistakes. That's why I sent Jesus. You have to understand that God knows your imperfections and God knows that here's the, here's the thing. If he is the potter and you are the clay and he puts us on the wheel, his job is to try to rub and try to get those imperfections so that you can be clean. And the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, is that the trust issue that people have with God is that the way they see him is not good. The way that she saw him was as an angry God. Now, listen, he's, I'm not saying a, the reason why I'm saying this is because Elijah represents or Elijah is in is, 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 is God's representative right now. He's his messenger. And so she's going to say that you come to kill me, come to kill my son. You did it because she's relating it to a sin. Can I give you an example of what happened to this man in the book of John 9? John 9. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Verse 2. I want us to read all this together. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, verse 3. It 
was a common theme, ladies and gentlemen, to associate in that day anything bad of this magnitude to a sin that happened in a family line or even to th that person specifically. And Jesus tells them, neither happened. Jesus is telling them, listen, he, they, nobody sinned, nobody messed up. He said, this is the work of God. So, and he, it, this happened so that the works of God should be revealed in this man. You have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that some of the things that you've experienced not some of the things that you experience, ladies and gentlemen, is not the result of the sin, but is the result of that God's work may be revealed in who? You. Why did I suffer that loss? I don't know. Maybe there's something that God wants to reveal in you. I don't know. Why did I go through this divorce? I don't know. Maybe it's some God's work wants to be revealed in you. I don't know. Why does it seem like uh, just not maybe just maybe God's work was want to be revealed in you to show what perseverance looks like, what endurance looks like, what 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 just maybe those are the things that God wants to get accomplished in your life. But you're so focused on what's going bad. And let's be honest in the room, all of us in this room, is that when we're in it, we don't see it that way. It's easy for me to tell you that hindsight is 2020, ladies and gentlemen. But when you're in it, when she's in it, she don't see that. When you're going through it in a minute, you don't care. You just you you have a problem with God. Or a problem with him. You could have saved them. You're supposed to be a healer, ain't you? You could have did that. You could have avoided that. I didn't have to go through that. You, 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 you trying to remind me of maybe it was me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to get that works mentality out of your head. Because it ain't, listen, God had already sent his son. He took his, he took you as a, he took your place. And guess what? If he was still holding your sin over your head, you would know it and you would feel it. Ladies and gentlemen, can I give you another example? Of, let me give you the flip side of the example. In the book of Judges, ladies and gentlemen, I believe Judges 6, around there, you have Gideon, ladies and gentlemen. God meets him. And God says to him, hey, you mighty man of valor. Yes, and then, then Gideon's like, what do you mean, mighty man of God? He starts going ham on the angel of the Lord there. If he was so God, he wouldn't even have us in his predicament anyway. It's almost like he forgotten us and abandoned us. Now, mind you, they're there because of their own disobedience. So on the flip side, there are some things that you find yourself in because of your disobedience. Now, I'm not here to deal with that part so much. I'm just here to deal with those things that don't have nothing to do with your disobedience that you're going through. But I got to give you the flip side. I got to tell you the whole truth. There's the reality is the matter is, is that there are times where you got there because of your disobedience, of your own doing. And God does not respond to accusations. He accused God of be abandoning Judah. And he forgets that they abandoned him first. 
He accuses God of putting him in the hands of, of the Midianites. But they put themselves there. They made a key accusations. Here we go, another accusation. She's accusing God. Through this man of God here, you came to kill him. It's your fault. I go to point number two. Stop believing the worst about God. Do you want, let me tell you something. You'll never trust God if you're always trying to find something wrong with him. There's so many people that's trying. You Sometimes you, you don't want to believe the best about God. You want to believe that he ain't real so you don't commit your life to him. You want to believe that he, he, he is. No, nah, he can't be that good. No, nah, you're trying to find something the worst in him. You're trying to find it. Stop believing the worst about God. The first thing you come to hear, God, you're responsible for this. Let me tell you something. I'm talking about the widow, but she weren't the only one that made an accusation. Yeah. Go to verse, uh, go to first Kings chapter 17 and go to verse 20. I'm almost wrapping up. I want to show you something here. She weren't the only one that made an accusation against. Now the accusation came against God, uh, came to the man of God. But then the man of God turned around and said this. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom I lodged by killing her son? Elijah's saying, did you do this by killing who? Her son. Because Elijah felt responsible for this. And now he's saying, hey, God, are you responsible for doing this? God doesn't reply to that. He doesn't reply to this. This is an accusation. You're accusing him that he killed her son. Now, there's examples, again, in the Old Testament that due to a person's sin, uh, David, come here, and Bathsheba, where God said, hey, your son is not going to live because of what you did. But this ain't that case. Uh-uh, this, this, this is not the case here. Ladies and gentlemen, how is it that this woman is experiencing a miracle, but yet in a miracle is lost? Jesus. Mind you, the rain, the Bible says that you will experience, oil will never run out until the rain comes on the earth. Rain ain't came yet. She's still experiencing a miracle, but yet in the midst of a miracle, she's having to reconcile with loss. How do you deal with things that are good happening, but yet bad also at the same time? How many people have been there that they're like, I don't know if I should clap for this or should I be like, I don't know. I'm, I'm in between. I, I don't know how I should be feeling right now. Like, I feel very bad. But the thing about it, sometimes when you're experiencing a miracle, but yet bad, the bad sometimes outweighs that good. Because she's not even thinking about that miracle. She's only thinking about one thing only, that her son is gone. Her son is dead. She don't care about no oil running out because if you know, if you, if you got a real mom, a mom would be like, I give my own self for my child. So I don't even care about that. What I care about is, listen, my son is gone and it's your fault and your God's fault. That's what he's saying. Ladies and gentlemen, can I help you some more? Can I help us all some more? Excuse me. 
Some view God as a, as a uh, as abusive, as a bully. This is the God who carries a big stick and enjoys using it to control, threaten, and punish people. This God will punish us if we misbehave. For other people, God may seem may be seen as unsympathetic, emotionally distant, cold, and interested only in facts or performance. People who see God in this way may ask, how could God understand my problem? Why would God care about what I feel? Ladies and gentlemen, you have to renew your mind about whatever image you have made of God in your mind. Or whatever image of God that has been uh, that has been made in your mind, not only just from you, but the worldview in which you grew up in. Because the worldview that you may have about God is distorted. distorted. And it's distorted because you will associate everything bad with the fact that because God is there. If he's supposed to be that, then he should be doing this. He should be reviving my son. Ladies and gentlemen, that is so contrary, this God that is being painted, because that's not the same God that paints himself. In, t- in scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 9 through 11, it says, O Zion, you bring good tidings. Get up into, into the high mountain of old Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Verse 10, it says, oh, excuse me. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your God. Watch this. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. That means your God is strong and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. This is really talking about Jesus and his work before him. Verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd, meaning he is a shepherd. The Bible says you quote Psalm 23, but a lot of times your theology don't match what your reality is. You can say it out of your mouth, but in here you don't really believe that he's your shepherd. I shall not want. He making me lie down in green pastures. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is what? With me. But when you're in the valley, you feel like you're abandoned. Because that verse or that doctrine, that theology don't match up with what you really feel about God and your reality. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, meaning a protector. You don't see that because that wouldn't happen to me. And gently lead those who are with are with young. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the type of picture that God paints about who he is. He's a shepherd. He's a protector. He's a lover. He hides you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to stop believing the worst about God. And here's what the here's where we bring the devil into this. Right. The devil's job is to make you think differently about God. I want to show you something really quickly, really quickly. I want you to understand something because I believe some people's theology about who Satan is is all is altogether off. You have to understand his origin. Number one, he was not always like this, meaning that he, ladies and gentlemen, has seen God. His, the heavens were where he was. He's a created being. He was a created archangel in charge of the music of the throne room of God. And so how else? (laughs) Think about it. If I already know who this person is, you want to and you don't want that person to know them really like that. 
I'm going to sow seeds in your mind to make you think differently about what I already know. Don't you get it? Satan ain't trying to, he's trying to feed you lies so you really don't know the truth because he knows what heaven is like. He was there. Satan was there when the earth was created. When God came down on Job after Job was accusing God in his character, God came back to Job and said, where were you when I created the heavens? How the angels rejoiced as I created this. Where were you? Ladies and gentlemen, before Satan fell, his name was Lucifer. And he was there in, in the middle of rejoicing while the heavens and the earth was being created. Don't you understand that he knows that God existed? Oh my God, he's three in one. Don't you not understand that he knows all of the, all the, what the glory of heaven is like and so you will miss it? Let me also give you this. Don't you, don't you understand that Satan has not even touched hell yet? When he got kicked out of heaven, earth is where he roamed. Because his goal was never to get kicked out of heaven. It was to impeach God on the throne. Because he would rather the glory and the splendor of what he had versus being down here. Oh my God. Why am I trying to tell you this? It's because he was the father of lies. And when you're in a deep, dark state and you already got trust issues, it would deepen your distrust of God. And you got to understand when you're in that dark place, you cannot let your mind drift. Because I'm telling you now, you will go to the place of thinking that God is actually the devil himself disguised as a good guy, but is always stacking the chips up against you. Why did I come out of this family? You're God. You could have put me in another family. Why is my mother strung out? Why is my father this way? You will ask yourself all of these questions because you're trying to figure out where in the world if there's a God, why am I? Why? Why? Because you want to believe the worst. You don't really want to believe the truth. Because let me tell you something, it's comfortable to stay in the lie. Tend to believe the truth. It's easy because I can stay in this pity party all day. You can't tell me nothing. You don't know how hard my life has been. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to that place that nobody want to be honest about. From the pulpit to the door, even Pastor Brandon himself has asked a question. God, every time I've done something for you, why you always feel like you're stacking the chips up against me? Lord, I got over here. I, let me tell you something. Can I be honest with you? When we were going through this whole building situation to finally get over here, I said, God, why would you do this almost like you're pulling the carpet underneath my feet? I started accusing him like, hey, you told me to come over here. It was you who set this up. If I didn't, listen, why is this going so bad? I wouldn't have never came and jumped out of here and put people's money on the line and my integrity on the line and all of this stuff. And then all I was going in and I got nothing. Then you understand. I was like, Lord, I come here week after week. I 
give of myself. I do everything you have asked. And you say, I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to get your people and I'm trying to empty hell and fill heaven and all of this stuff. Why you feel like you're working against me? Hello, everyone. My name is Vernon Hill, Executive Director here at Transformation Christian Fellowship. What better way to grow in your Christian faith than in community with other believers? We invite you to be a part of Transform Life, our life groups here at TCF. Connect with any of our life groups for encouragement and support as you grow in your Christian faith. We're so excited to be able to walk this journey with you. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. My father says this all the time. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not here to break you. He's not here to destroy you. If he got a, if there's a flickering fire, he's going he's going to try to fan it into something. He's not here to blow it out. He's not here to extinguish you. Ladies and gentlemen, stop thinking so bad. Because you're putting a plea, you're putting yourself to distrust him. He said, "Listen, I, I won't I won't do that." Here we lastly and we're done. The testing and trials we face in our lives are meant to build our faith. Can I help you? In 1 Kings, I want you to see something. Go to verse 24. 1 Kings 17, verse 24. I want you to see something. I think this is very interesting for you to know. It says, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She did not say that when the oil was not running out. What am I telling you? Was it really faith that she moved on to cake, bake that cake for Elijah? Yes. But it was a faith based in a little bit of skepticism. She didn't fully believe. That's right. <laughs> I don't care how many miracles you think you're going to you see. There's something there was plenty of people who lived in Jesus. They saw everything he did but they still were skeptical. And the only reason why they came along is because they were, their skepticism, their curiosity, just wanted to know more, is this really real? Because in her mind, there was some doubt that I don't know if this oil is going to stay here forever. She didn't believe initially. Sometimes you'll skept, you can have what I call skeptic faith, in a sense. Yeah, that I'm doing this, but let's see how far it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'll trust him, but oh, my trust is based on how far this is going to go. Yeah. Oh, I'll trust you, God, as long as the oil, if I keep seeing the oil there, then yeah, I trust you. But in Elijah's case, he knew what it was like when the, when the well dried up. He believed regardless. This woman wasn't like that. Because this woman was like, as long as that oil there, I'll believe the little God you, I'll believe the God you serve. As long as that oil there. But here we have it. This woman changed her tune because the boy been raised. I'm not here to preach on the miracle. I'm here to preach about the faith issue. Because you have to realize, even in the book, ladies and gentlemen of John, Martha, who at the death of Lazarus, 
They were so mad that Jesus did not come when he was summoned. They were so angry, like, yo, we sent for you like a couple days ago and you just now showing up. Jesus gets, Jesus hears the news and say, hmm, our friend Lazarus has died. Okay. They're like, master, you ready to go? Nah, we're going to see. He waits. He doesn't come until the fourth day. That's significant because the number three means completeness. He waits till the fourth day. There was also a legend that believed that the, uh, the spirit of the person hovered around the grave for three days. Jesus waited. He came on the fourth day. He gets to the gravesite. Martha is mad. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, my, my husband wouldn't have died. My wife wouldn't have died. My, oh, if you would have been here, I would have had this opportunity. It all left. And you're trying to figure out why. Jesus says, if you would only believe, you would see the glory of the Lord. Oh, I know in that day, and see, here's, here, here's, your, here's your rhetoric to him. Here's our rhetoric. Our rhetoric to him is like, well, I know that at the day of resurrection, you know, all of us going to get up on that getting old morning. Jesus said, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if you would believe now, you would see. You would see the glory of God. Here's what I'm trying to get across to you. That the thing that you are experiencing or the challenges that we experience, if you haven't experienced nothing, keep living. Trust me. Life will come. It comes to all of us. You know what? No one escapes life. See, in church, we want to hear all these bubblegum messages and all of that stuff that's going. But when life come and hit the door, this is immediately what you do. You do and accuse like this woman did. All of us have been there. This is no judgment to anybody. I just told you about myself. So what am I telling you? The things that you and I go through are not meant to harm us. It's meant to build what God has put inside of you. Give me the verse after the point, uh, the, 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 because I f- I'm open up this altar like the Lord told me. Isaiah 42, 3. Uh, no, no, no. Let's go to James 1, 2, 4. I'm sorry. My brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen, even first Peter says that after you suffered a while, you'll be established. Don't you realize, ladies and gentlemen, we can't often see it in the moment. Here's why God. Here's this is the crazy thing that you have to understand. Revelations will let us know that we have a testimony that the angels cannot see. Ladies and gentlemen, that sounds good, but let me help you understand something. The angels are there, but listen, we are there with him by choice. They don't know nothing about suffering. There's a mystery of suffering. And the mystery of suffering is, how can people still trust God 
even in the midst of suffering. The devil would have thought he had won because he knew that he felt or thought that if he could take Job's stuff, that that would make him curse God. And even his own friends thought that Job did something wrong. His own wife wanted them to say, man, give in and curse him. Because if you're so righteous, then why in the world are you going through this? But the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it is the Lord that delivers them out of them all. What am I trying to tell us today is that there is your trouble is an invitation for the glory of God. And if you would get over your trust issue and stop thinking that God is out against you, then you can see the beauty in your suffering and realize how God can take your suffering and how Romans 8 says, now all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And I recall what Job said in his book. He says, now I know. I know my Redeemer lives. I didn't see it then, but I know. Jesus, I praise you now. I didn't plan to go this hard, but he said, he knows the way. understand that when you understand it <laughs> Ooh, glory when you understand it it's hard to, it's hard sometimes because life can beat you down <laughs> Ooh, life can beat you down uh, I remember there was a time where it seemed like we had family member dying almost every week it was almost like I was in a suit or something like that we was over there somewhere and I felt like man goodness God, we can't catch a break. Feel like the whole family depleted. There were times where I'm like, you fast forward and pastoring. That's like, man, goodness, what can go wrong has gone wrong. I don't understand. I'm serving you. I don't get this. I don't understand. I'm, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Why is it? It's not that you're doing something wrong sometimes. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's that you're doing something right. And that sometimes you have to just persevere until the end. Hey, tally's up for me.
Sometimes you don't realize you just got to persevere to the end. <laughs> you got to persevere to the end. You just got to keep going. If you keep going, in due season you'll reap. You just can't fail. standing all over the building. Listen, I'm not here to prolong this. If this message right now was for you, I'm opening this altar right now so you can reconcile whatever it is with Christ right now. I don't care who you are. I don't care. In this moment, I want you to come down to this altar let it be between, between you and God. Be honest. Don't be worried about who's standing next to you. Don't matter. Nobody care about that here. I don't care if you're online right now. Hear me. Hear me right now. Reconcile with God. Let him restore your joy. Let him restore you where you are. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I want you to meet me down at this altar. Don't you be ashamed. I want you to come on right now in the name of Jesus. You feel like God sometimes feel like he's been against you. I want you to meet me here in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Don't you feel ashamed. I want to pray for you. If you're online and if that's you, put it in the comment section. I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. Don't be scared. This is your moment. Don't you leave this church without reconciling with God today. In the name of Jesus. If you want an instrument, singing, whatever, I want you to meet me here now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I hear your word. I did as you commanded me today. I've done as you commanded me. I've opened this altar. reconciled in their mind <laughs> Lord if you be real for them today meet them right at this altar in the name of Jesus knowing that you're real but their heart says if you're real to me God meet me here right now Lord I ask you oh God as your humble servant God meet your people here right now in the name of Jesus men every heart Mend every hurt in the name of Jesus. Mend every hurt in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Meet us here, God. Meet us here, God. Meet us here, Jesus. Hallelujah. Meet us here, Jesus. Meet us here, Jesus. Oh, 
Jesus, we reconcile in our hearts today the anger we may have felt towards you, the frustration we may have felt towards you. Lord God, I release it to you today in the name of Jesus. I'm not leaving this altar with this same hurt I've been carrying. I'm not leaving with this same trauma I've been carrying today. Today I'm giving it over to you. I'm not letting Satan have another foothold in my life, oh God, with what has happened. I'm not wrestling with this trauma no more. I decree and declare I'm being restored today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1, to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.